I pray, Lord, that we can hear the word and we can be the doers of the word. Thank you, Father, that you have given Margaret this opportunity to share your word. Lord, would you speak through Margaret in Jesus' name? Amen. Morning, Sarepta. I've been asked to speak on seeking God. And I just finished my reading in my quiet time, and I was reading Ezekiel. And they'd been talking about the sacrifices. And I said, Lord, I cannot stand up and just read out a whole lot of scriptures on seeking you. What do I do? And the Lord put this scripture in my head. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. And in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cards. He was mad. And he drove all from the temple courts, the sheep and the cattle, and he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. This was not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This was furious Jesus. To those who sold doves, he said, get out of here and stop turning my father's house into a market. So I said to the Lord, okay, I understand the corruption bit. They were selling dodgy lambs, dodgy rams, dodgy anything, and um, taking money for it. And that was strictly against the law. Jesus hadn't died yet. And then I, and I said to him, well, what else is the issue here? And he said, they were trashing me. So then I thought a bit more about it. And then I thought, Jesus is in all the sacrifices. Remember, I've been reading about them in Ezekiel. And it's very interesting, 400 years earlier, so this has been an issue for 400 years, Malachi says, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorable, says the Lord of hosts. So the Lord was not happy about it. So I'm going to look at the sacrifices, how they apply to us now, because Jesus is there from Genesis to Revelation. And I know in my life, you, I don't know if you're like me, you read the sacrifices and you go, oh my word, so much blood, so many animals, what is this all about? I don't know if anyone is like that or, or not, you know. So I'm going to try because it is... You know, it takes a lot of doing. Okay, there are five main types. The burnt offering, which was a total offering. The grain offering. The peace offering. The sin offering. And the trespass offering. And they were either an animal without blemish, or they were the produce of your fields. Because this was an agricultural society. There, was, there were not a lot of cities. And each had a specific purpose. The first three, the burnt, the grain, and the peace offerings were voluntary. That was where man came before God as a worshiper. The last two were compulsory, the um, sin and the trespass offering, where man came before God as a sinner, and they carried instructions about repentance and restitution. So let's have a look at the burnt offering. This was a voluntary one. 
It could be an animal without blemish, a bull representing strength and service, a ram, Jesus the spotless lamb, or a dove or young pigeon represents innocence. Remember in the New Testament, be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And this sacrifice, it speaks of God's perfection, of our adoration and devotion and commitment and complete surrender to, to God. Because that's what Jesus represented on the, on the cross. It's a voluntary act of worship. And it's atonement for general and unintentional sin. Asking for forgiveness and for the thoughts we think, the words we say, the things we do. So we ask, how does it speak of Jesus' death? The animal's death, remember, it was meant to be perfect, typifies the death of Jesus. The bloodshed points to the atonement. And the smoke from the fire, from the burnt offering, represents the, res the resurrection. So how did he fulfill this? He was a male. He was sinless. He offered himself voluntarily. And his whole being was a substitution for us and our sins. And the transaction at the altar was between the offerer and the Lord. So it was between like you offering the, and the Lord. And it wasn't between the offerer and his conscience or the nation or the priest. And Christ died for our sins and his blood was sprinkled on the altar. So let's have a look. Jesus was wholly consumed. He, no part was given back to the worshiper of this. Jesus was totally consumed. His body wasn't burnt, but he fulfilled this burnt offering because he was completely consumed in suffering. And I've read a medical um, article on how he, he would have suffered physically. Um, he didn't just give his eye or his limb. He gave his whole body. And he was whipped, he suffered the crown, of, um, the crown of thorns, the nails. He was beaten, and he had his hairs plucked out. And his hands and feet were nailed to the cross. His face was slapped, he had thorns on his head. <clears throat> his ears listened to the cruel lies and jests of the enemies. And remember, on the cross he said, My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? So he gave his all in, I think, ways we don't understand. So our burnt, the burnt offering expresses our commitment to God, giving God all. And if you think about it, even in a, in a rural culture, a bull or a lamb, it was part of one's livelihood. It was like giving our salaries, as um, Steve has asked. And God is saying to us, as Paul wrote, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable services. And these burnt offerings went on every day in the, in the temple. And Jesus submitted to God daily. And I think that's what he wants, that we start our morning praying to him and saying, this is the day the Lord has given to us and work it through. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> now, the next one is a the other voluntary of offering. It was the grain offering. And that was the produce of your fields. 
So remember, they're all farmers. It was for Thanksgiving. We did that this morning for God's provision and his goodwill towards the person making the sacrifice. And the priests were given a portion of that. And the sacrifice could be finely ground flour. Jesus was ground. What he went through on the cross was he was finely ground. And he's the bread of life. And we need bread to live. And it, was, it could be oven-baked cakes as well, which would probably resemble pizza dough without any leaven. So the priest kept part of it, and the rest, the part of it was offered to God, and he kept the rest. So let's have a look at it. He was the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. And that's why we need to read our Bible, because that's what nourishes our souls. That's what the Bible is telling us where we are, in the scheme of things. He's telling us we don't need to fear, but we need to read it to know and to listen to teachers as well. And Jesus compared himself to a grain of wheat that had to die before it could live again in a better form. He was crushed. And at the, ter- at the tomb, that grain of wheat was buried. Jesus had died for us. And if you think about it, imagine how his followers felt He was gone. Jesus was gone. They didn't understand, even though he'd said so. And on resurrection morning, he came forth in a more glorious form because this sacrifice typifies Jesus. And the offering had to be accompanied by oil. And oil represents the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit in our lives, I think, that leads us, allows us to live, allows us communion with the Lord. And it required salt. Salt speaks of the Lord's purity of character. I often wondered what salt represented. And we're not allowed to put in any yeast or any honey because they um, ferment and they represent sin. And Jesus was sinless. And sometimes there was frankincense, which represents prayer. And our prayers are precious to the Lord. And it was a reminder of God giving us our daily bread. And as it burned, it was a sweet savor to the Lord. And Jesus' character is just that. It's a sweet savor to the Lord. And that's what he gives us so to be a blessing to God. It was thanksgiving. It was a thanksgiving offering for his goodness and his provision of his bread. And to thank God for the fruit of our labors. And it's also a daily offering, a daily thank you. Um, Now, the next one is our peace offering. And in our Connect group, we're listening to David Inglis from Burning Heart on peace. And it's, it's a really good series. So this also an unblemished animal. All the time, Jesus was sinless. These animals had to be perfect, not like the lot that they were selling when Jesus turned over the tables. It could, and it was, could be various grains or breads. This was an offering of thanksgiving followed by fellowship of eating the offering. And that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to come together and we're going to have an offering of fellowship where we eat together. And the high priest was given the breast of the animal and the officiating priest, the right foreleg. 
and you read about wave offerings, and I think, why are they waving bits of meat around? But it wasn't like that. They were waving them over the altar, which makes a lot more sense than just waving them in the air. Um, and the fat and the kidneys and the lobe of the liver was given to the Lord. That was burnt as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Remember, it's our prayers also that are aroma to the Lord. And the remainder of the animal was for everyone to eat and to have a party. And it was free will and it was a peace offering. And once again, it had to be perfect. And it was a voluntary act of worship. And sometimes they were just given, thank you, Lord, for blessing us with whatever. Or they were given an advance of a blessing. And it, this offering represented communion with God because God gives us his peace. And when it was, Jesus was born, it was announced, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. And Jesus made peace between God and man between Jew and Gentile, and between man and his conscience, through his crucifixion and the shed blood. And so we've had the three. We've had um, the burnt offering, the grain offering, and this peace offering. And now we're going to go on to the two compulsory offerings, the sin and the trespass. The first of these was the sin offering. And its purpose was to atone from sin and cleanse from defilement of sin. And that's what Jesus did for us. He atoned for our sin on the cross, and we have to come to him and appropriate that. Sin has to be confessed. And this was for acknowledgement of sin, and it was for the forgiveness of sin. But they had to keep on doing that because Jesus' blood was shed once and for all, and we can come to him because we keep on sinning. Um, and it required the life of an animal. Blood had to be shed. And if for a high priest, congregation, and a leader, it was a bull. It was a lamb or a goat for a common purpose. It was a dove or a pigeon for the poor. And the very poor was a tenth of an ephah of fine flour. So nobody could get away with it. Nobody could say, no, 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 I can't afford an animal. God had made that provision. Um, and they had specific instructions. And once again, the fatty portions and the liver and the kidneys were burnt for God. And the rest was burnt on the altar, but it was outside the camp. And that's where Jesus was crucified, outside the walls of Jerusalem. You can see how these little things point to Jesus. And they weren't burnt in the courtyard, as I said. They were carried out and burnt outside the, the um, camp. And so Jesus was God, fully God, and fully man. And he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh, so he could carry our sins. He knew. He walked this earth. And this ceremony was a preview of God's eternal plan of, of redemption. And... <clears throat> They might seem unimportant, all these details, but they are. Like I've just said, this taking it outside the camp prefigured Jesus dying outside Jerusalem. Jesus bore our guilt. He bore our sin on the cross. It was his sinless blood that was shed, and it's an eternal blood. 
It just never keeps, it just keeps on going. He suffered for our sin and he suffered individually and corporately. And the sin offering taught man that God holds him accountable for sin. God has scales. God has standards. Things matter. God hears it all and he sees it all. And in his law, as in our law, there's a punishment for violation of sin. We can't just go and murder someone and say, oh, forgive me. We've shed blood. And for us, we needed the sacrifice of Jesus to have any hope of meeting him. Now, forgiveness is the justification. And he, Jesus' blood, as we come to him and appropriate it, it removes our guilt and release, releases us from the penalty of the sin. And in law, the penalty has been paid. And the our last one is the trespass offering. That's for peace within each other. You know, we do things, we say things, we break things, we don't give things back. And we don't realize, but it sort of crunches in the person. And this is an offering that required restitution to reimburse the offended party. And it was, again, for forgiveness of sin and cleansing from defilement. Once again, it had to be a perfect animal. Remember, all the time, Jesus was perfect. And it, had, it was to, for the sinner to make restitution to the one who was wronged. It was also cleansing from defiling sins and physical issues. It was for the violation of property. As you read in the Old Testament, there's all sorts of things. If you've done this, that's the, the, what you have to um, do to pay back. And it goes on and on and on. Um, where am I? And um, it, the person, the blood of the trespass offering, cleansed the conscience and sent the trespasser back to the one he'd wronged so they could say sorry and maybe, you know, repay the injurer was forgiven, and the injured, the person who was done bad to, gained. So with sin, with our sin, we are in debt to God, and we owe him more than we can pay. And Jesus took our sins. He took them on the cross, and his blood was shed for us. And his blood takes away our guilt. And in the Old Testament, you will find Jesus everywhere as you look. In the setup of the tabernacle and the temple, Jesus is there. He's there all the time. You will find him there. And so remember the first three, we came before God as a worshiper and the last two as a sinner. And you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be super qualified or anything to come to the Lord. So we ask, how do they apply to us as Christians? Obedience to God's word, faith in who Jesus is and what he says. He's not a man that he will lie, nor the son of man that he will repent. What he says, he means and he does it. We can find a place for repentance and cleansing of our sins and confessing Jesus before men in baptism and in daily faithful walk with the Lord. He is the sacrifice on the cross. He said, at, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. What he meant was all those sacrifices are not necessary anymore. I am the last sacrifice. It's my blood. It's finished. 
and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And when he did that, the temple was torn in two from top the temple curtain. So you can imagine, there's the priest out there um, um, sacrificing a lamb, an actual animal, while the temple curtain is being torn in two. Jesus is saying it's finished, it's dark, the graves are being opened. It was like, what is going on? It was absolutely hectic. And it is finished in Hebrew is tetelestai, which means it's fully paid, paid in full. And that was what was written on accounts at the time. We owe him a debt that we could not pay. And he paid a debt that we he paid a debt that he did not owe. He paid that for us. He paid that because each one of us is created in his image. Each one of us is special. Each one of us is individual and different. And you know what, guys? He wants to live with us forever. That's why he sent Jesus, because we are so precious to him. I'll do a bit of biology now. Think about it. One particular sperm to one egg made each one of us. And there are millions of sperms, and I'm not going into that whole thing. But I believe God chose that one for that egg to make each one of us. And it's, to me, that's a very special thing, that he really wants to relate with us here, and he wants us to live with him because we are his family. And it's something that's, that we can really work with. Now, I want to speak to my black brothers and sisters, or my brown ones, or my chocolate ones, or whichever. This is from Hebrews. Hebrews 11.15 and on. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. That's the, human, the heavenly one. That's not made with human hands. That's not part of creation. He did not enter by the blood of sheep and goats and calves, by the, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and, and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so they're outwardly clean. But how much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, that we may serve a living God. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. And I know, I mean, I was talking to, to Nigel, and we were talking about funerals because we had a funeral yesterday. And we were talking about sacrificing goats. And he said, oh, but I like nyama. I like to eat it. That's fine, but it's not necessary because the blood of sheep and goats cannot take away sins, only Jesus. So we've seen, and I hope I've managed to explain to you, that the Levitical system was just to show us of Jesus. It doesn't mean to say we don't do a thanksgiving offering. We do thank the Lord. We do worship him. We do know that he lives us um, he helps us to live in peace. He forgives our sins. We need to live in relationship with other, each other. And we have been welcomed back. We're like the prodigal who's been welcomed back into his table. 
And I don't know when I started, but I'm going to read a couple of, of scriptures. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. God says in Jeremiah 29:13, you will seek me and find me. You will find Jesus when you seek him and when you seek me with all your heart. And Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I can testify to that because when I was young and I was a student and the Lord called me to YWAM, and I basically had nothing. I had a car, which I could get there in. And when I'd done my training, I knew the Lord wanted me to stay. And I said to him, I said, Lord, I cannot stay here because it was very bleak. And unless I have a bed, proper bed, and it's cupboard and a dressing table. And I, he gave me those things, and I knew. And he has constantly provided and provided and provided. So it's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Jesus says to us, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. And he says, look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. For God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you'll call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that was what Jeremiah said when life was chaotic. And so, as we walk, let's seek the Lord, worship him, give him thanks, and let him be our strength. So, Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to pray, Lord, that what has been spoken today will just sink into our hearts and you will give us understanding. You'll give us understanding of your love, of your presence, and how you want us to seek you and how we will be found of you. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.